thunder were desire This old house would have burnt down a long time ago Make me Boom, we're going just like that. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the High Button Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Belanger. Today's episode is brought to you by ProLineStadium.com, Atlantic Canada's home field for great sports betting. Play stadium bets for the best odds, featuring spread lines of 1.95 per side. ProLine players also score access to great regular promotions. Right now, every $25 wager on hockey will earn you a $10 free play token on basketball. This offer is valid on ProLine and Stadium Bet Wagers until March 13th. Play tokens must be used by March 31st. Get in the game today at ProLineStadium.com or download the ALC app today. Must be 19 years of age or older. Please play responsibly. Today's episode is also brought to you by Generous United. Generous United is a membership-based buying group headquartered right here in Atlantic Canada. Their mission is to make sure prescription drugs are more affordable so we can all live a healthier life. We're almost out of this pandemic. Maybe, maybe not. Nobody really knows what's going on. Um, But I know one thing. We could all use a little bit of extra help when it comes to financial health care. If you could save one aspect of health care, whether it be a massage, acupuncture, dental, whatever it is, you're going to be able to save money on other things like prescription drugs. So head on over to generousunited.ca and see if there's anything that they can be doing for you today. Oh, I love it. Monday morning podcast. Welcome back. I hope everyone had a good weekend. I know we had a couple snowstorms there. A couple things got canceled. A couple things got pushed around, whatever it may be. But I hope... Uh, I hope everyone was able to relax, enjoy the weekend, put your feet up, have a cold one, and uh, and look forward to the future here. As potentially, this pandemic restrictions could be slowing down. That's what they're saying. It's tough to get excited about anything in today's day and age unless it's concrete. But hey, there's a there's a date. I think it's March 21st that things are going to be eased up. But nonetheless, uh, exciting future ahead for for this company, for everyone listening, for for business, for sports, for family, for travel, for everything. So it's nice to have something to look forward to. Um, speaking of looking forward to, I've been looking forward to this podcast uh, all week or all last week, I guess, we booked Maggie Andrews to come on the podcast. Big fan of her music. Uh, I actually found out about her a couple years ago through a good buddy of mine, uh, Quake Matthews. Um, and every now and then I always just checked up in on her music and uh, I saw that she was available to come on the podcast today. I reached out, uh, she confirmed, and today is the day that the two universes have come together and Maggie Andrews is going to be in the podcast studio. Maggie also has a brother who works for Gucci, so I'm just going to assume that they grew up in a in a creative household out there in Fall River. She actually lived in LA for a year, uh, I think last year, maybe two years ago before the pandemic. I'll clarify that with her when she comes here on the podcast. Great musician, great singer, over million, she has millions and millions of streams on Spotify. One of my favorite songs by Maggie uh, is Honda Civic. It's going to be a great episode. I'm Justin. We're talking to Maggie Andrews. This is the High Button Podcast. Here we go. You know what comes next. (laughs) 
Wicked. Maggie, thank you for joining the show. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. How was your morning? Uh, it was good. This is my morning. Oh, this is your morning. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Okay, good <laughs> I luck. usually don't wake no up coffee? like 2 p.m. No. No can't, coffee? I can't do coffee. Can't do caffeine. No I, tea? No. Nothing. Only a little throat coat every now and then. Throat what? Throat coat. It's oh. a tea that you drink when, oh, you, okay. when, you, when your throat hurts and you're like a singer. Oh, yeah. It helps like coat the throat, you know? Coat the throat. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Throat coat tea. Yeah. Um, it's not bad. Anyway, so I, I just want to say thank you for coming on the, the, the show. Jeff was telling thank me all about you. Me. I heard about you probably two years ago with a friend of mine, Quake Matthews. Um, and then Love I found Quake. out. Yeah, yeah. And then I found <laughs> out you have a brother who works for Gucci. And I'm like, oh my God, this girl must have grown up in a, in a creative oh. household. So like, wh- wh- where did you grow up and, and what was your, your upbringing right, like? Um, so I grew up in Waverly. Okay. Um, I have four older brothers. Four? But, yeah. But they're like, I have two like way older, older brothers that are from my dad's first marriage. So they're not my stepbrothers, but they're my half brothers. Okay. But we don't like say half brother. And then I have uh, twin brothers who are 26. So I grew up with the twins in the house and me. The older brothers were gone. So um, no one else is really musical except for my third oldest brother, Trevor. He, when I found out, like, I had these older brothers, I was like, no way. Because he was, like, an Olympic snowboarder and pro skateboarder. And then he's, like, going on tour in, like, Japan and all these places. And I'm like, I want to do that. Like, this, is, this isn't real. Because to me, I was like, he's so famous. And then I was like, I want to be like that. But the twins, you know, they're very like sports, like wrestling, a lot of like mixed martial arts. They do all that stuff. And then my oldest, oldest brother, Robin, he designs video games. So, you know, there's like creativity in between the siblings. But I think mostly I kind of just figured it out for myself that I wanted to, do that. you know, mom doesn't sing or like do anything like that. none of the twins like they don't sing or do anything like that i was like you know i'm the only girl so (laughs) i figured it out are you the youngest one out of everyone yeah so everyone's protecting you yeah i'm the baby how did you find out that you had a passion for Uh, creating music i mean when i first met trevor he brought me some like cds and i remember he gave me my first cds i had like uh the Ramones and A Tribe Called Quest. I was like five years old and I was like, okay, cool. And then I got like the Hillary Duff CDs and the Brat CDs. And then I would listen to those and I was like, I would sing along and, you know, I was like, this looks really cool. Hannah Montana grew up with her. And then, you know, I was just like, that's so cool that she gets to do that. I want to do that. And, you know, I always was like writing poetry and stuff. And then eventually I got a guitar and was like, these are songs like so then i just turned the poems into songs oh yeah yeah you ever play guitar hero growing up yeah well mm, only when my brothers would let me <laughs> uh, <laughs> i used to get like beat up every second day by them so you know <laughs> sometimes they would let me come play a little rock band little guitar hero here and there but they weren't my consoles so i didn't get to decide when i got to play i couldn't imagine being a younger girl in a household with older brothers <laughs> I, just, I got a younger brother, but I and he, I'm the only. It's just me and him. I couldn't imagine having a couple. Yeah. Uh, Probably made you tougher, though. It did. It did for sure. I was thinking about that the other day, but I definitely like was by myself a lot growing up because you know the twins, they're best friends. They have each other and their boys. For me, it was like I would just play in my room and play school with my stuffed animals and be like and talk to them, like <laughs> literally insane, but. 
you know, my brothers didn't want to play with me. They're like, ew, little sister, gross. Like, let's just go punch her in the stomach for fun <laughs> instead. Like, you know, that's kind of what it was growing up. But now that we're grown up, it's like they're my best friends. So it's kind of cool to come into that where the four year age gap, once you get into your 20s, it's not that much anymore yeah. and we have a lot more in common than we did when we were like six and ten yeah it's so. interesting all that my brother yeah. younger brother who's six years younger to me than me and i remember mm-hmm. growing up like oh, sick, i'll never have anything in common with this guy yeah but you know i'm 30 he's 24 now and just like oh, we just shoot the shit like he's a regular yeah. guy like, what the hell happened time's flying exactly yeah but yeah it's kind of nice when you're able to develop a relationship with your family members that maybe you had yeah random beef with before <laughs> it's kind of cool random beef yeah <laughs> they always tell me they're always like were you conscious when this happened because things happen in our lives and they're like telling memories and i'm like oh i remember that they're like you were conscious like you knew that was going on and i was like yeah what did you like i was six like do you think that i'm dumb like i was there and they're like oh you were just kind of like invisible and i was like mm-hmm. thanks guys i'm gonna write a song <laughs> about that yeah that's good that's yeah. uh that's crazy yeah that's uh mm. I couldn't imagine the amount of thick the, the the thick skin that you've grown over the past yeah. lifetime to be able to to <laughs> seriously though, like to pursue a, like I was listening to some of your music this morning and some of the things you talk about it's not easy for everyone oh, to talk yeah. about you talk about like breaking up and <laughs> oh stuff like God. I don't know it's just like yeah. I, I could never talk about stuff like that publicly it, on an open forum and it seems like you have that I don't really yeah. care attitude I mean you kind of have to you have to be that way to you know to be an artist being an artist is hard it's just like you know i write songs about shit that i go through and like things that have happened to me in my life because i know that something that i've gone through somebody else has probably gone through and it's relatable to them and i was thinking yesterday that the like our individual experiences they're not as like original as we think they are like you can get very specific in something and someone will be like oh i went through something just like that what and it's like that's just how it goes Uh. You find that when you're yeah. creating music and you listen to other people's music, you're like, oh, that's similar to what I went through? Yeah, sometimes. I mean, I definitely, yeah. When you listen to lyrics, you hear stuff. Sometimes you'll hear a line or a chorus or something that really just sticks out. And you're like, it's very it's very personal to the artist, which makes it also very relatable and like personable to the fans who are you know taking in the music. And it makes it very specific to your audience. Mm. And yeah, kind of like I really like fuck with music that I'm like, damn, this person, I'd probably like them in real life because they've gone through something like me. Mm. So, yeah. Do you listen to a wide variety of genres? Yes, I would say that. Like a weird genre? Uh, like, I give don't me... think any genre of music That's is like, weird at this point. But definitely because when I don't like to like put my music in a category, like technically, yes, it's pop music, but... Every time I make a song, it's inspired by a feeling or something I've gone through. So I like the music to like sound like the feeling. So by doing that, it's like I got to pull from different genres every time. So I guess like I'm horrible at knowing the names of songs, lyrics of songs. And like I know artists, but I'm very like melodically like if I hear a melody or someone's like, yo, you know this song by like. I don't know, by like Post Malone or something. I'm like, play me like one second of it and and then I'll know it. So I'm very sounds oriented. Okay. It's not exactly like, like if I hear something that I fuck with, then I'm like, all right, sweet. Like I like jazz music. I like pop. I like rock. I like rap. Like, you know, I like it all. It's, It's just cool to see what other people are doing in like their respective field of music. Mm. 
how much re- how much research do you do on your own time rather than having to be like in a studio? I watched that Billie Eilish documentary and her making music in her bedroom and mm-hmm. making a Grammy award winning album in her bedroom. Mm-hmm. I was blown away by that. And I have a couple friends in the music industry and they're like, you don't need a studio anymore. You just need the time and a laptop and a mic and research and have an actual interest in what you're doing and you can make music. Yeah. Um, I mean, on my own time, like I'm writing all the time, uh, whether it's a song or it's just what's in my head. I write at least like two to three times a day. What? Yeah. Like I, I just, you know, when there's nobody to like banter with and talk to, it's like I got to just write it down and then I'll go look at it later. Usually, you know, when I'm going to a session or something, I'll be like, I just like wrote this the other day, just how I was feeling. And then we'll just talk about it for a second and then start writing off that. Um, I do have like a little setup in my room. I'm not a producer, but I'm starting to like figure it out myself because the more that you can do uh, makes you more like versatile as an artist. Mm. And also as a female, if you can produce, you're the shit. (laughs) So like I'm trying to figure out how to do that on my own. It's pretty tricky to teach yourself how to do those things. But, you know, YouTube exists. Google exists. Oh, yeah. It's hard. (laughs) I went to the University of YouTube. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. When you don't know something, somebody made a video and then you just go look it up. But uh, yeah, I don't like produce or mix or master or do any of that myself. I do a lot of the writing myself and I'll just come up with ideas, you know, just play guitar in my room or do whatever I need to do. And then when I go to a session, it's like we don't waste any time because I've been like writing or coming up with melodies and stuff. And I already have an idea of what I want to make when I get in the studio. Yeah. It's kind of the same approach yeah. as a comedian, how you're writing things down every day and then you go to perform it in front yeah. of people. If it doesn't work, it doesn't. If it does, it does. And they write random things down every single day and they try to yeah. create it into their craft. At least that's the way you're speaking. It kind of sounds similar. Yeah, I I would say that like just for sure. Up with ideas. Yeah. I mean, that's all it is, is coming up with ideas. Um, I have like a full like list in my notes of like song titles that I want to write or just like little sometimes like I'll just you know there will be no music I write a lot of songs with no music like a lot of the lyrics I'll just write in my notes and then I'll go to the studio and we'll start building a song off of like what I wrote in my notes and I found out that Kurt Cobain used to uh he used to write songs with no music and then when I was telling someone that I do that they were like oh Kurt Cobain used to do that I was like okay that's kind of cool because people are like that's weird that you just like do that and like Sometimes you just have words and no music. So. Yeah, that is weird. I don't know. Like, I, I just <laughs> I wouldn't understand how to. I just. I don't know. You just like write things, and then like, sometimes like, you know, I'll talk to one of my friends, and they'll be like, "Damn, that sounds like a song lyric," and I'm like, "All right, cool." So then I write it down, and a lot of the best songs, like I wrote a song over text message with, <laughs> with yeah, with a friend of mine who doesn't even write songs, and she said something, and I was like, "Damn, that's a crazy hook." And then we just wrote a song together. So if you think that you cannot write a song, you literally can. Yeah. It just like it just takes one little like spark and then the whole flame is there. That's cool. Yeah. I like one thing you said on the song Honda Civic. You're like, let's be honest, you live in your mom's basement or something <laughs> like that. And but but the thing you said before that rhymed really well. And I was like, Oh, that was very, very Let's hooky. face it, you're addicted and complacent. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's just... a great great tune. Um, yeah, I wrote that with a friend of mine. Uh, his name's Riley Bukala. He's a dope-ass artist. Hey, Riley. Yeah, he's lit. Um, I uh, That song really, that was a song that came from me just going in there being like, hey, guys, let me just tell you a quick story. Yeah. And then we started talking about my old Civic. And then when I moved to L.A., 
and then I broke up with my boyfriend. I never got my car back. And then he was like, damn, let's write a song about it. So then we wrote the song. <laughs> Hot, wait, when the first lyric was something about Nova Scotia yeah. and then the name of the song was Honda Civic. Honda Civics and Nova Scotia just go hand in hand. Yeah, they do. If you're 16 to the age of 20 oh something, you probably had a Honda Civic I at one point. I love a Civic. Oh, yeah. It's a good, it's reliable a, it's a great, car. It's a great high school car. It's the first it car your parents give you, maybe. Yeah. It's a good car. It's the first car I bought myself. Oh, is it? There you go. Yeah, and I never got it back. What, your boyfriend <laughs> took it? Or I don't know where it is. I, oh. I like, <laughs> I went to L.A. No, that's, oh, my God. <laughs> I went to L.A. And then shit was all good. I went to go visit my brother and, like, hang out with my nephew and, and you know, be with my family and then, like, record some music for two weeks. And over that two-week period, I got, like, my ex accused me of, like, being a porn star, like, sent me a screenshot literally of, like, page 46 on Pornhub. Like, (laughs) straight up was like, this is you. And I was like, come on, bro. Like, you know that is not me. You're such an L.A. girl now. And I'm like, ugh. I was like, okay, we're just going to break up. Like, if you do this shit again, like, we have to break up. Like, you're literally mentally abusing me. Like, I can't. So then we broke up. And then, you know, a little time went by and I was like, hey, like, I could send my uncle or, like, my mom to come get my car. Never got a response. So I don't know what happened to it. (laughs) Never got the car back. You know, I literally handed them the keys when he dropped me off at the airport. That was the last time I ever saw the guy. Wow. Yeah. Well, at least you got a hit song out of it. Yeah, true. Huh? You know, you got to take the good with the good, bad with the <laughs> bad. True. You got something out of it, at least. It's true, yeah. I mean, every bad experience is just like a good song. So We find that with the podcast. Every bad <laughs> thing that happens yeah. with the with the company, it creates for a, a hilarious story. Exactly. It's just nothing ever exciting happened yeah. from saying, oh, I had a bunch of money, I sat on a couch, and I yeah. went on my yacht, and I drove. Like, it's cool, exactly. but like... The grind is the funny. Have you watched uh, the Kanye documentary? Yes. Oh, my God. It's so good. I'm, I'm blown away. Like, oh, my um, gosh. Me too. What, you're on. You finished yeah, both episodes? Yeah, I watched I think, the last part last night or the second part. Episode three is so Wednesday, I think. Yeah. It's so weird to me seeing that guy in public mm. and no one freaking out. Was, I really, I'm like on a Kanye kick lately, but I also kind of like feel like Kanye sometimes because just watching that, I was like, Nobody believed in him, Mm. you know, and people don't believe until they see something. You know, you have fake believers and then your friends are like haters. They're like, bro, like, why are you doing that? And then something pops off and then everybody's your friend all of a sudden. Like Kanye never stopped believing in himself. And I think that's something that I have like in me where if something doesn't go right or if someone doesn't listen the first time, I'm like, all right, fuck it. Watch me. And you're going to regret not believing like that scene where he's in the office and the girl's like, uh, she's like, oh, you're getting a BlackBerry because you can read full emails on it. And he's like trying to play his song yeah. and they're not listening. But they should have been listening. Yeah. You, know? you imagine hearing through the wire for the first time and you're busy writing an email. You're like, yeah. all right, buddy. Like, you imagine that? Family business. It's like Bob Dylan giving you a guitar and you're like, thanks, buddy. Like, what? Like, yeah, just like, not even knowing. Yeah, just like the, I, I, that, I think was one of the, that was episode one, I'm pretty sure. And they went to the Rockefeller offices. Yeah. And he just walked in every office and started playing his yeah. album. And everyone's like, yeah, man. It, they're all like, okay, like, Beanie who's this Beanie going to be here soon. What they go. said, what they call him, like, Canny, Canny's yeah. here or whatever. And it like, was like the Spice, Cayenne. Yeah, yeah. Cayenne's <laughs> here. Cayenne's here to see Ludacris. Okay. Like, those <laughs> people must feel like such fools, like, seeing that documentary, like, mm. come out now. They'd be like, damn, like, I really made a mistake. Yeah. Like, 
some amazing footage, like the the Jamie Foxx footage. Yeah, that was incredible. And you're just like that. That's part of at least my childhood. That that mm-hmm. lyric, and then you actually see it behind the scenes. You're yeah. Like, Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Uh, Kanye, he really, you know, he found his his team. Like he had people around him who believed in him when nobody did. You know, and they were like, "All right, shit, we have to shoot all this footage." And now they have this crazy documentary of Kanye, one of the literal like the greatest of all time. Seeing his journey from, you know, going from nothing into the literal genius that he is now. It's insane. It's kind of crazy. It's inspiring as fuck. Because <laughs> a lot of people say it. They go, yeah, just do it. Believe mm-hmm. in yourself. Don't care what people say. But a lot of people don't have it on camera. Yeah. You know, it's uh, yeah. It's, just, it's, it's interesting just to see how that perspective actually works. Like people talk about it, but mm-hmm. to see it on camera him go up to Jay-Z and Jay-Z not even know who he is and keep yeah. walking by and just like, whoa, there was a point where Kanye was a nobody. Yeah. It's kind of cool. When he sees the little kid in the hallway <laughs> and he's like, you know me, like I wrote this song and this song and the kid's like, cool. And then just walks away. Yeah. And like, but that's the kind of level of belief you have to like promote yourself. You just have to like, hell yeah. if it's okay. You just have to do whatever you need. Like you got to do whatever you need to. And you know, Kanye like worked hard as fuck for everything that he has. And he's he's incredible like such an inspiration when i was in grade five my sister-in-law was on tour with him and she like she got me like a signed shirt from him that i also lost in the breakup where i also lost my car but i was thinking about it i was like i had this shirt from the kanye west glow in the dark tour and like he really wrote my name on the shirt and signed it and then she like sent me the shirt and i was like this is crazy and that's you know like grade four or five like no one cared about kanye west in my age group they're like who's that and i was like this is crazy the the guy who wears the shutter shades like you guys are kidding me right now wow so it wasn't even college dropout that would have been like 808s yeah oh yeah, yeah. You, oh, you're 22 yeah okay because yeah. i remember listening to college dropout in junior high on mm-hmm. someone's ipod shuffle which oh is this God, little ipod rectangle the, thing. B- the yeah yeah the big one that's yeah, like, it was yeah. like long and skinny. And it's like two gigs. Yeah. <laughs> or no, it was like 500 megabytes. I, 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 I couldn't tell you. <laughs> and I remember listening to that yeah. with like my buddy and we'd be splitting the headphone driving to lacrosse. And yeah. it was just so different. So different. So yeah. unique. But going back to like the guy that wears the shutter shades. Yeah, that's later <laughs> in his career. And he's yeah. like kind of a, an established star. Yeah. To have that, that'd be worth some money today. I know. Where is it now? Like I probably went to old Value Village and whoever has it now, like... Like, give it back like, who's who's megs like what's <laughs> like, going <it's> on <laughs> i like i don't know where it is i don't know where any of my stuff went but that is something that i wish i still had to this day i i never wore it i think i wore it once and then i always like kept it folded up and in like such good condition oh, and now it's gone it's a bummer i know what, it's okay what, what, was the t-shirt like one. a kanye t-shirt yes from his tour it was uh, it was a kanye west glow in the dark tour it, it uh, was a red shirt with yellow writing it had the had the bear on it and it had the shutter shades on it, and I was like, this is cool. Like the teddy bear? Yeah. It's like, oh, I wish I still had that, but it's okay. It's all right. Ka- Kanye, I'm coming to get another shirt one day, you know? <laughs> You'll be back. You'll get another one. I'm coming to get a feature, actually. Put me on Donda 3. <laughs> is that the next album? Is Donda I mean, 3? Donda 2 just came out. So like, Did it? Yeah. I haven't even... It's that? on the stem It's on the stem player, but I do have... What is that? I heard that. It's, it's this little thing. It's kind of like an MP3 player, but you can separate the stems of the song. So you could like separate just the vocals. You could separate the drums or like the synth or whatever, and you can like play around with it, I guess. How the, much is it? 200 bucks. 
So the only way to listen to Donda Two is if you buy the stamp. I got I got the songs on my phone. <laughs> yeah, oh, I got yeah, it. Yeah. I got the link Dude, off Twitter. It's so cool though the stem player. I think you'd like it. Did you get oh, one? No, but I've like seen TikToks and one. stuff. Like I wish I could like oh, yeah. yeah. I'll look I'll look at it after this. Yeah, it's like I the new MP3 like player, I think. The new MP3 player. They're going back and they're I don't know. Someone sold like an iPod Nano for thirty grand the other day on eBay or Stop. something. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, I have an iPod Nano, like can I make $30,000 off of it? I got to start ho- holding on to stuff. Like I know. Things are going to be worth money one day, like the Pokemon thing. Oh, my uh, God. Do you, do you own, an, do you own an NFT? Uh, no, but my brother is like the top three NFT seller in the world. The Gucci ghost. Yeah. What's, your, what's, what's his name again? Trevor. Sarah? Trevor. Yeah, he, Trouble he, Andrew. <laughs> Trouble. Yeah, they call him Trouble. Was he, was he a kid like in school who's drawing on his notebook? And I, he I, didn't finish school. He dropped out in grade 10. See, that's even better. I know. He... Uh, our dad always told us like growing up if you want to do something you know do what you love and you never work a day in your life and like do it to the best of your ability if you want to be a garbage man go be the best garbage man in the whole world trevor loved snowboarding so when he was 16 he dropped out of school and then he was like the canadian freestyle champion what yeah where does he live is he in la he's in la now yeah he was in he moved to bc first and then like coca-cola was his first like major sponsor and then he Moved, he, like, he lived in New York for a long time, and they moved to L.A. maybe four four years ago now. Who's, who's they? My brother, sister, like their oh, family. Oh, sorry. Okay, They sorry. moved. But, yeah, no, just his whole story is, like, so inspiring to me because I'm like, damn, like, he dropped out of school. And I had moments where I was like, hmm, well, I want to drop out of school. <laughs> but I finished high school. I did drop out of university, though. But, you know, he just went after it, and it really – he – he works harder than anybody that I know. Like he really put the time in. And then, you know, when his snowboarding career stopped because of an injury, I think that's when he really started. He's always done a lot of like cool art and shit. Like so dope. But uh, the Gucci ghost thing happened. He would put a, he put a Gucci sheet over him and cut holes in it and he would skateboard around New York and people would take pictures, you know, and that's kind of where, that's where the Gucci ghost came from. And then he start he did the, I have one like on my neck. He did the uh, like the Gucci ghost and that's what he would he would tag around New York City. And, you know, Gucci had the option. They could have either sued him, but they hired him instead. And that was the best decision decision that Gucci could have made because they made like a big comeback after that. It is everywhere. Yeah. And then now, you know, the Gucci led to my brother being able to be an artist, you know, not just do the Gucci collaboration and all that stuff. He's his own artist. You know, he has his own clothing brand and he sells paintings and he makes like these insane paintings. I, I lived with him for three years. So we became really close during that time and we'd hang out in his, his studio and I would just watch him paint for hours. And like seeing him do what he loves was like, you know, I was like, I need to go harder in the things that I love. So then I just like kept, kept doing that. But he's, He's a big, like, do-it-yourself. Like, so I was like, just, if no one's going to do it for you, you got to fucking DIY. And I'm like, okay, cool. DIY or die. And then he's, <laughs> oh, my God, just, he's probably, like, my right hand. Like, number one supporter pushed me into, like, every amazing thing that I've ever done, you know. He, to talk about nepotism for, like, one second, I think that I might be a little bit of, like, a, a nepotism baby slightly because and I will acknowledge that because I know like later on people are going to be like why is your brother's name in blue on Wikipedia and I'm like and then you know what does that have to do with anything 
I, I've seen it going around on Twitter. Like people are like being like made fun of or just they're being like, they're like, your career is only so good because your parents are uh, this person and they uh, could have, but that's literally how everything works. It's who you know and it's like what rooms you can fit yourself into. Yes, it's how hard you can work, but it matters who you can meet along the way. Hmm. But my brother definitely, if he didn't live in LA, I don't think I would have gone there when I did. And like just living with them, I was able to move to a new place where my career was able to become like what it is now. And I was able to meet people. I met a lot of people through him, but I've also met a lot of people on my own. But just by being able to live with them in LA, in a new city, I was able to find a whole new group of friends and just network with tons of people who do what I do and are better than me and I could could learn from. And I like I, you know, I owe it all to him because without him and his support too, like the whole way through, I don't think, I no, I definitely would not be where I am today or like mm. even doing music, mm. I don't think. So definitely, yeah, his whole story is insane. Like, Oh my god! I could just like talk about it forever. <laughs> well, that's, no, that's sick. It's we got to give yourself some credit. Like people, you know, tons of people give me advice, but yeah, it's what you do as a of course individual. But uh, you know, it's, it's an action business. You yeah. can either sit there and take all this advice and just feel good, or you can take the advice and go out and do it. And it yeah. seems like you're doing it. So well, yeah. If something doesn't work, then you need to do something else. And like you know, I flung myself into like a little bit of a situation last year and. It took a lot of months to get out of it, and like I'm out of it now. But what happened? Uh, <laughs> I recently got out of my label deal. I've been released from my label, which is really good for me. Um, but last year in July, I started. You know, I it was good at first. It was it was great. You know, we did the whole trilogy. We released the song with Bear. Like we did all of that stuff, and it was cool. But then. I went to LA and then things got really, really bad. And like, nobody talks about like the hard parts of being an artist, but there's a big high when you release a song because you're getting all this attention. You have the streams, like people are writing articles on you. You're doing interviews. You're doing like, people are reaching out to you and, and you have, you know, all eyes on you. But then when that starts to decline, you start to get really like down on yourself. Like, am I doing enough? Although I was like working every day and doing all this stuff, I wasn't putting out any more music. And then I just started to think like, you know, they flew me out to L.A. And from the start, my ticket didn't have my last name on it when I got to the airport. And this is flying during COVID times. So there's three flights out of our airport a day. Like I'm I'm at the airport at 3 a.m. They're like, you can't get on the flight because uh, there's no last name on your reservation. I'm like, what? Like can you guys just put one on there? Like, no, if you want to get on the flight, it's going to be $2,500. I was like, oh my God, like there's one more flight out of here. Like I need to get to LA today. So I'm like calling everybody at the label, like every single person. It's like 3 a.m. No one's picking up. Like I called like everybody like 20 times and I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Like, what do I do? Then finally, you know, someone calls me back at like 10 a.m. I'm like, there's one flight left that leaves at noon. My COVID test results are going to expire or whatever because you had to get them like three days before. Oh, I was like, God. please, like I got to get on this flight. So they get me the flight. I'm like, okay, everything's all good. Like, let's just like calm down, reset, whatever. Then I go to LA. Things were good when the first couple songs came out, but it was like the lack of communication. And then I just really started to realize that long term, 
being at this particular label wasn't going to be a good decision for me and it wasn't going to be somewhere where I could grow. It was good at first and it was like a cool little like stepping stone, but like my mental health was horrible. My like I wasn't meeting anybody new, you know, there were a lot of things that they said were going to happen and then they didn't happen. And I was just kind of like, I can't do this anymore because, you know, I used to live in L.A. and then I moved home during COVID and then nothing. I, I felt like I was doing all of the work and I was like leading all the creative and like all the songs that were coming were coming from me. Um it wasn't anybody that they had introduced me to the whole time that I was there. I've literally like, I've never even met them in person (laughs) anyway. So it was just like a big thing because you know, you see all the time, like it's hard for artists to get out of label deals. It's really difficult because you know, when you sign a contract, that's a contract and they will hold on to you as long as they can. But I was really lucky in the situation where they did agree to let me go, but it took like, nine months like I had sent an email in July and then didn't get a phone call till September and then from September until literally February I was like what's going on and then that's you know a couple days ago was like when I'm finally free but it took so long and it just oh my goodness just wasn't where I was gonna thrive and grow and I I look back on that like it I was good at the start. Like I thought that it was going to be something, but then as it things started to unfold, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And I'm glad that I realized that early on before I got like too deep into it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was a good, good experience. You know, I uh, setback, but I learned a lot and I observed a lot while I was there. And like, I know not to make that mistake again, I guess, mm. but like, it's hard. It's hard because it's like wolf in sheep's clothing. Like you just you, you don't know. Yeah. It's difficult. <laughs> two two I got two questions for you. Yeah. Well, I have one question yeah. and one another statement. It seems like that's a common trait of artists that whenever they sign with a label for the first time, yeah. it's their they don't really have a good experience with mm-hmm. it. And two um oh, what was the question? It blanked. Oh, yeah. What's the benefit when you're a young artist and a label approaches you? What's the benefit of joining a label? So let's say like you didn't even know this label. They approached you. Like, here's what we're going to do for you. Mm -hmm. Like, what did you go? Oh, wow. I got to sign with them. Okay. Well, I signed with them during COVID, like quarantine time. And when I was in L.A., that was like hot spot of the world. Super bad. Like we didn't leave our house for like six months. Like we were inside every single day for the first like three months. We didn't go outside. Like didn't go for a while. Like we were inside locked down and also the riots were going on. Like all this stuff was happening. And like I was living with my brother and my sister-in-law and their kids. Um, So I was helping like take care of them every day and, and cleaning the house. Like stuff was just like. How old are the kids? Uh, Radic is the oldest he's turning eight this year mm-hmm. and then there's twins boy and girl and they're turning three yeah year. that's young it's tough Wait. to be locked in a house no they're turning four my bad yeah they're that's still a young age <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it was hard you know because yeah. they were they were two when yeah. all that started and it's like they're babies like yeah. you know they're not getting the the child experience even even radic he was five when it started like i felt so bad every day you know it's online school and all this stuff i'm just like man 
I wish we could go outside, but it was so bad, especially during the first wave. Obviously, like we didn't know what was going on. So that was happening. And, you know, I, I didn't have as much time to work on music. I got approached by Sony, actually, and they had sent me over some like beats or whatever. They were like, what? Like, what can you do? And I was like, OK, cool. So I was like upstairs when the kids would all be asleep, obviously you can't be that loud, but I'd be like whispering into a microphone, like trying to trying to make these little demos for Sony. So I did like make one and then they had made me, they were impressed and they like made me an offer, but I said, no, I turned it down. And then uh, my brother actually like had introduced me to the label because they wanted to like work on music with him or something. And then my brother, you know, he's more in like the art space right now. So he was kind of like, okay, you should, you should listen to my sister. And, um, then I get on the phone with the label and usually, you know, they're like, when someone says, oh, you should check this person out. Like their music is, is not that good. Like if they're like, oh, like check out my sister. But then he was like, they told me they were like, we were like so impressed by, by what you did. And like, I was floored. I turned the, song on or I turned like the whole EP on or whatever and and it was insane and then I was like okay cool like these people sound like they really believe in me the way that I believe in myself they're really like hyped it up like the energy was there and I was like okay like I'm so depressed you know I don't know what I'm gonna do I'm like not making any money right now I can't go out haven't seen friends then I get this offer or whatever from them and I start working with them and that seemed like the light at the end of the end of the tunnel for me right there because you know the future was like non-existent at the point yeah. of COVID. I was like, if this is the only shot that I get, I should probably take it because I don't know what's going to happen next. Yeah. And I, uh, it's as a young artist, you can be naive. And I was a little bit, but also I've had like, my brother is a great mentor and he's, you know, introduced me to a lot of people that I've watched their, their careers kind of unfold, which is partly why if, my career popped off two years ago when I like went to the label. I wouldn't have been ready. I don't think like I could have said that I was at that point, but I don't think that if it had happened then I, it wouldn't have been good for me. I don't think so now that I'm like, I've gone through it. I'm really glad that it didn't happen for me during the time that I was there. But as a young artist, it is beneficial to have label support. You know, everybody, I mean, in the old ways of music, everybody wants to have a label. Everybody wants to have like a whole ass team behind them. But when you go to a label, you know, there's people who are at the label before you. So I figured it would be cool for me to go to a smaller label because it's not like Cardi B is at the label or like Post Malone's over there and they're like, all right, shit, we got to get their album out. Mm. I felt like, you know, they made it seem like I was going to be a very big priority to be there. And I was at first. Um, but then after, like, the project came out, things started to slow down. But from going there, you know, they told me that they knew all these people. And I just kind of had a moment where I was like, I need to, like, separate myself from, like, my brother and all of that and, like, kind of find my own way. So this is just, like, a stepping stone in doing that. But, uh, yeah, it just it can really help your career if you have a label, if you have the right people and if you have a good team. And as a young person, it's appealing because, you know, I was broke. I didn't have any money. So then it's like, okay, these people are ready to invest in, in what I'm doing because they believe in me. So that was something that I was like, okay, shit, 
we should probably do that. Hmm. And then I had um, Andy Hines direct like my music videos, and and I was like, okay, that like that's cool as fuck. <laughs> like, let's do that. So that was all like the cool, fun, exciting part for me. And you know, I had the Black Bear feature ready to come out when I signed there, and then it was like whoosh and then all that happened and then i was like okay what's next because nothing has changed it sucks you can't do live performances either after having a hit song i know. like that's how you make most of your money too is by doing live performances so it's like you're suckered if a label comes to you and like look we're gonna give you all this money it's like all right let's do it because i can't make money any other yeah. way yeah i mean yeah streaming doesn't pay anything like uh that song i was like three million streams i saw the they send you like a quarterly report or whatever of you know your expenses and I, I think I made like thirty grand off streaming last year, which is which is cool. Like that's great, but I'm never gonna see any of that money really, because then you know there's all the expenses that we have to recoup and like all the money that we spent to market everything, gotta pay all that back. Then when you go to like the publishing shares of everything for all the songs, it like gets divvied up, and then there's like what like four grand left. Like a million oh. streams is four grand. It's hard. Oh, <laughs> I know, right? It's literally it's. Could you imagine? I know people look at artists but like songwriters don't get paid like it's just a whole thing like i don't know if you ever see but it's like the whole songwriting thing is horrible because when a songwriter comes into a session you know the producer the engineer they get their fee for the day or whatever like they get paid the songwriters there and usually they are benefiting off of you know it's if this song pops off i get paid it's not they don't get like a set rate and songwriters aren't allowed to unionize like, it's just a whole thing. So it's like, yeah, a songwriter's coming in who writes hit songs, but they're not getting paid until the song pops off and gets, like, 10 million streams. And then even after that, it takes years to get paid. No it, offense. It doesn't sound like a great business. It sounds no. like... It sounds like... It's not. I'd be... I'd, I would... I'd be so upset. Yeah. If I, uh, if I wasn't being... It's hard. ...compensated for my hard work. Yeah, like, if you're not getting paid for your art, like, yes, it sucks, but also songwriters and musicians like i love making music so like i'm never going to stop doing that but also as we like just as artists we are the people that are leading the industry it's not the people that work at the labels it's not the people you know the the managers or whatever because without the artists there is no art you know afi from bahamas no so he's an artist he has a band bahamas from uh, toronto moved here yeah. as a wife and he came on this podcast probably two years ago and he said the problem with the industry is that the labels know that the musicians will make music until they die yeah that's all they want to that's do true. that's all they know how to do and the labels know this and they know how to take advantage of yeah. it and he's like that's the issue because at the end of the day what am i going to do not make music no i'm going to make music till the day i die and the labels know this so mm -hmm. there, there's an issue there within that line yeah. of communication that's what he said and that really resonated with me and as you're talking it's, here it's it seems very similar to your case yeah i i had a really hard time because it felt like you know last year i really hit like rock bottom and i was like damn like i was like googling how can i damage my vocal cords so i can never sing again like that's how bad things got for me and i was like ready to do whatever i had to do because i like for me to love making music and that's all I've done like every single day for the at least like the past four four or five years and then you know since I was 10 like mm -hmm. that's all that I've done and for me to have a moment where I'm like if if I can't find my way out of the situation I'm just gonna quit music I don't want to make music anymore like for me to say that to myself like th that was hard because 
that's my passion. That's what I love. And then to still like, I just had to like ride that shit out and like, I'm here now. But I was like trying to figure out what else can I do? Because if I'm trapped in this thing where I like cannot get out, what do I do? And like, nobody can really help me. You know, I was like, I'm broke. Like (laughs) I have, I can't put any music out. Like, what do I do? And then I just had to wait. Like I, I really just had to wait and I hate waiting. Yeah. Well, you and everyone else in the world, everyone's waiting. Yeah. Well, I guess maybe not in the States. They're pretty much open, but. Yeah, they're. All the concerts are coming back. Yeah. Itching. Do you have any plans to go go back down there anytime soon? Um, yeah, I'm trying to figure out, I'm doing a song camp next week, like here. Um. Or Gordy Sam? Is that? It's not a Gordy Sampson song camp. It's a a Jones and Jones song camp it's like sherry jones her first song camp as her own company okay she helps run like the gordy Sampson ones and stuff where's it at uh it's in humberts it's at rob Steele's castle (laughs) i know that's i yeah i got i got invited to my first song camp with like music nova scotia i've never really been like recognized by the music industry around around here because i didn't make my career here i made it in la and like i guess i wasn't here like i i never got a grant from music nova scotia like i've never i didn't build my career off any of that stuff and i don't really know anybody in the industry around here so then you know when they invited me to the camp in october i went i was like cool like i've always wanted to go to song camp nova scotia little camp rock action like hell yeah let's go And I went and it was fun to try something new because I write really well when I have a co-writer and uh, it's just like a week straight. It's like summer camp. You don't leave the camp. Like you stay there, you hang out with everybody, you do two sh- two sessions a day. And then at the end of the day, you share the songs that you wrote and you either play them or if you made a demo, you play it. And everybody just like drinks and like hangs out, has a good time. And then you do the same thing all week. That sounds great. Yeah, like six song people. I think yeah, it's like six songs get written a day. It's very productive. It's a great fucking camp. Like I love it. Um, but yeah, Quake was at the last one, and that was like the first camp I'd ever been to. Oh yeah, he was telling me about. Yeah. Okay, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. So to have Quake at camp because they were like, don't expect to be making the music that you usually make, like pop music, because they were like most people who come to the camp they make like folk singer songwriter type music i'm like all right cool like it'd be cool to write for somebody else and then quake came to the camp and then i'm like okay shit like if we get in a group we're not making music like that so uh (laughs) quake and i get in the room and and we're like put put the guitars down or whatever um sarah she was the producer of the session and i was like open up splay so i was like play me like a loop right now and then she found one i was like put that in and put some 808s under it and then she just made this crazy beat. And then Quake and I are like, okay, like, what are you feeling? I was going through a, like, I was going through, like, a breakup weird ass thing during that camp, too. Quake was like, we're not writing any, like, sad stuff. I'm like, all right, fuck, okay. <laughs> so then we just wrote this crazy rap song about, like, a Tinder date from hell. Like, you go on a date with a girl from Tinder, she's crazy. Like, she's a psychopath. Like, Quake's like, it's literally about me taking quake for a drive down a dark road gonna kill him oh, so you guys are on the date i got you yeah okay, okay i'm i play the part of the crazy cinder girl quake plays uh the role of scared man who decided to go on date with crazy girl <laughs> <laughs> but no that was like like we made a couple songs like that and then you vote for like the best song of the week or whatever 
and that the one song that we did came out as like the best song of the week and i was like shit it's like it's my first camp like that feels good to be to have like written the song that everybody loved the most i was like i want to come back and do it again so now we're gonna do that next week but and quake is also going to be at the the camp next week oh is he at the castle yeah at the castle i want to come quake at the castle you need a podcast guy there (laughs) i don't know i mean (laughs) who's doing it it's sherry jones it's jones jones Jones. sounds like a pop Yeah, yeah it does it does I love Sherry. I don't know. She's like the music Nova Scotia queen. But it's cool it's cool to be like immersed in the industry a little bit around here, you know. I moved back at the end of twenty twenty and I didn't really have any friends here. Like I have a couple of my best friends from high school, but I don't have any like music friends and then I became friends. I don't know if you know like A and Jax. They're they're a little duo. Oh, uh the boys. I'm gonna take it to the movie. Uh, she yeah, got a booty. Yeah, what up? Yeah, 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 I like them. They're yeah, funny. Yeah, I love and them. And they're good. Yeah. And they're, they're, they're like in the tennis ball or the tennis. Yeah, uh, the in the tennis court. With yeah, the, yeah, they're dope. I love them. Um, I'm gonna take I met them. She got a booty. What? <laughs> and then I became friends with them. And then, uh, yeah, then I met Kyle Sunsetto. Like I met, and they're like, they were like my most talented musical friends that I met when I moved back here, and you know. Did what I could for them, and the whole point of like being a musician is like, if you have friends that are like on your level, st- like stop going to search for like people who are bigger than you. Obviously, yeah, you'll meet them in time, but like you got to put your friends on because otherwise, it's very lonely. It's very boring at the top because you have all this attention from people that you don't know, but then the whole thing is like, who do you have? When the show is over, the lights go off, and it's time to go home. The show's done. All the fans go home. Like, who's there for you? So you really just have to, like, keep the real ones close because mm-hmm. otherwise it's very lonely and very bad. <laughs> yeah. It's literally, like, it gets really, really sad. So, I mean, yeah, Ate and Jax love them, and uh, they kill it around here. They sell out every show that they play. And I think that over the next year or two i think that they're really gonna like have a come up moment where they get big because they got some catchy songs yeah they're talented uh jackson uh the jacks part of the group he's an incredible songwriter like sweetest sweetest little kid i like ever met <laughs> in my whole kid. life I just, how, like, old, how old are they eight is older than me he's he's 20 25 uh jackson jackson's younger than me he's he just turned 21 i think oh boy but no, I just love them. They they like they work hard too and they they hustle. So I I would really like to see them like with just blow up. Like yeah. I don't know. Like I need to see that in my in my time. And if I can help them do that, then yeah. I will because that's the whole point. 100%. Yeah. I think I think COVID has been the toughest on the entertainment industry. Yeah. Sports and entertainment. That's what this business is, sports and entertainment. But, oh, my God. You know, sports it, with no fans? Uh, well, we live stream, so that kind of helped us. But sometimes they wouldn't even let us – there would be no sports, so we couldn't even go live yeah. stream. But anyway, that's, that's a whole other thing. But um, well, when I talked to Quake, mm-hmm. he was like, yeah, the way you make money as an artist is touring. Yeah. Like live shows. It is. And that's just non-existent for artists right now. Yeah. At least here. Yeah. Every show that, uh, or, sorry, not every show, every song that I made, it's never been performed live because they all came out during COVID. And then 
their you know people had tours planned and then they got canceled and then they had to like reschedule them then everybody's team and their dog was getting covid and like yeah (laughs) they were like oh no we have to reschedule so i'm like okay shit like when am i going on tour do you have anxiety about like performing again like do you forget how to do it i don't the last time i performed was on a stage in high school what (laughs) Or unless you wanted to talk about the little song circle at song camp when you got to like sing a song. I don't perform live. I mean, like I will, but I, you know, those songs all came out during COVID COVID. and like before that, uh, I almost had the chance to open for like Trevor Daniel at that, uh, the Roxy theater in LA. But I was like, shit, like the songs that I want to play aren't out yet. And I like, I don't own the stems. Like I don't have all the stuff. So at that time, like, like I was saying earlier, like if my career had have happened back then, I wasn't ready for it because nothing that I wanted was like in motion. So oh. I think that now, like now I've kind of like progressed and moved forward. And then now I'm talking to the agent that I was dealing with before all this happened. And the guy who like, I want him to be my manager. I'm like dealing with them again because when I was dealing with them before, it was too much, and I had to just like recognize that and be like, right now is like not my time to do that. Mm. And looking back, it was a good thing because COVID happened, and now we're like coming out of it. So I think it's gonna be good. A hundred percent. But no, COVID hurt everybody. Like it destroyed the music industry. I hate Zoom songwriting sessions. I hate them with like a passion. It's so. It's just like cringy and like embarrassing. Like I don't like writing on Zoom. They like get you on the call and they're like, "All right, like, what do you think of this beat? Like, okay, like sing a little melody. Like, I don't want to sing to my <laughs> webcam, dude. Like, I need to be in the studio where we're like in there playing it over the speakers and it's loud and we're like making a vibe in the studio together, not me at home on my laptop and you at home on your laptop." saying oh this could be a cool song it just like it's hard to build chemistry yeah it's not the same i did write like one good song over zoom but i was also in a studio with somebody else so it was like me and then the guy who was engineering the session and then the songwriter but also she's like one of my best friends so like it was a it's okay because i could like facetime her and we can just talk but we did one good good song but other than that any time that's like zoom session i'm like i know like I just don't, I don't want to. Yeah, <laughs> I'll do what I have to, but I you don't and me want are to. on the same length. I can't do it either. Yeah, I like to like, be with people. Yeah, because it's, it's it's just different. It's the energy is different when you're in person versus when you're on a Zoom. Well, call. there is no energy in Zoom. Yes, but it's it's, it's the bandwidth. Like it's yeah. just the internet. I <laughs> just put me in the room. I don't know what the metaverse is, but I have a feeling that's going to be it. I don't really know about the metaverse. Is that is that VR? Don't ask me. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have brought it up. This is my metaverse guy, an NFT guy. He is tells me VR? everything. Part of it. Yeah. It's part of it. Yeah, it's just it? like internet where they do like Fortnite uh, virtual shows and whatever is like yeah. meta. I'm sure your brother knows a bunch about it. Yeah. If he's an NFT oh king. God. He is. How many he, so he creates them? Yeah. Yeah. He does. He does them on Nifty. You know about yeah. NFTs? Yeah, well, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. We had a guy on here the other day who created an NFT, and it's when's when's it going for sale? When's uh, it? From within Bedford. the month, it's okay, kind of like cool. kind of just depends. 
like yeah. what you know you gotta it's like your timing you gotta yeah. pick the right time like when true you tiki. think it's popping true yeah. tiki oh yeah. okay cool i like i would like to do an nft because i definitely know that i watched like this gary v thing and my brother sent it to me and i was like okay this is coming from like gary v big successful entrepreneur whatever at coming and then coming from my brother to me i was like i should probably listen to to this thing so he sent me it and it's like in the next like five years the whole music industry because label the traditional thing is like a label it's like 80 20 80 to the label 20 to the artist yeah insane that's like a traditional label deal but we're moving away from that now because artists are like we don't fucking need that shit like if you can build a fan base and that's why like tiktok is valuable because if you can build a fan base you can be independent and make your money but the other thing with like a lot of tiktok artists is they can't sell a ticket they can make a song but they can't sell a ticket to a live show. Mm. And that's something like you have to learn how to turn your followers like into fans and people who care about you. But anyway, NFTs. Um, I think like there's a way that you can like embed your song into like an NFT, like the art thing. So then you can then sell like your cover art. You can sell that to your fans. And then that way they'll own 20% instead. And then the artist will own 80. Oh, interesting. You flip it on their heads. Yeah. So then you don't need the label because now that things are going into NFT space, people want to own those and they want to, you know, they become valuable and then you can flip them and resell them or whatever. And interesting. Yeah. So I don't know that much about NFT. Like I'm trying to learn, but I need to like, I think I just need to like sit down and talk to my brother because he gets it and it would be cool if we could like do an NFT together or something and like 100% do that. However that works. But I think it would be cool to do a little, a little NFT, you know. <laughs> it's the first time in my life where I feel like my parents or grandparents where I don't understand technology. <laughs> I know. Like I understand everything on that laptop, everything, these cameras, my, yeah. I understand everything. But NFT is the first thing. And so like, I feel like yeah. it's explaining the internet to my grandmother. It's like that. I get it, but I also don't because I always see the jokes where people, they just like screenshot the thing. They're like, yeah, I just got all the NFTs, but like they didn't actually buy them. They just like screenshotted them. It's like when you have a picture of the Mona Lisa on your phone. You don't own it. You own a picture of it, but you have have no ownership on it. So yeah, it's like, it's like owning the pictures on your phone. Yeah. It's like you own a JPEG image of it. Okay. But you can actually own the item is like the whole point of it. And then that item goes on the metaverse one day. Yeah. Or well, now. yeah. Or now. My yeah. brother's done like digital art show. So I think like if you own a lot of NFT, you can do like a VR metaverse, uh, like an art show where you like put the Oculus on and you walk around and you can display all your NFTs and people can see them. It essentially is like how I think of it. Okay. Because... I don't know if you make an NFT, like you could put it on display yeah. at your. That's like one piece of the giant puzzle. It's like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, NFT and crypto. Think like, about that. Know. You could go to an LA art show right now, Justin, if you threw on your Oculus and see all. As long as I'm, yeah, but I'm not going to experience the LA weather. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know. Turn the heat up in your bedroom. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Make just, it work. I just don't want to be on a, on a computer all the time. That's the thing. Is like I like doing things in person. Like I've been to a couple of my brother's art shows in person, and it's like, it's really cool to see the virtual metaverse aspect of that. But like, I want to be able to see it and experience it in person, so I can like I can talk about it because I don't know. I know that we're moving into like a very like digital tech era with things, but also I don't want to like lose the in-person feeling of doing things because during COVID, 
everybody goes on Zoom and now it's like, oh, if you could just make it an email, why are we having an in-person meeting? Yeah. And like, I'm like, I like being in person. I don't know. It just feels good. And, and I don't I, like the virtual concerts and all that stuff. Like, I don't love all that. You're not alone. I think a lot of people like, can agree with you. Like, I'm down for it. But at the same like, why am I in my bed bedroom watching Coachella? Like, why am I not at Coachella in the crowd? <laughs> like, I'm just, it's not the same. When you go to a festival, you get to dress up and like, Whenever you get drunk, you get a little lit and you go out to the concert and you have fun. You jump around. Like if you're watching a virtual concert, you're not doing that. Yeah. I guarantee you, you're sitting on your couch in your pajamas, <laughs> like eating a snack. <laughs> yeah. With like, yeah, not even like on a speaker. Like you either have headphones in or you're just like watching on your computer with like the laptop sound. Like, like no. why are we doing that? I'd rather be in Montreal party. And I think that'd be a different. Yeah. Uh, they just released the new, uh, the lineup, didn't they? Coachella. Yeah. Holy smokes. I know. I'm That's trying to big. play Coachella. You should. I want to, and I think I'm going to, you know? No. Are you allowed to release that? I don't actually know. Oh, I'm, okay. I'm telling this as <laughs> oh, in like- You're manifesting oh, yeah. it. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like I like I have friends playing at Coachella, so then it's like the next thing is like, I'll be the friend playing at Coachella. But I think, you know, even like lots of festivals, it's like I see people that I know, I see their names on the lineup, and I'm like- I'm very close to that being a reality for me. So it's like, it's cool to see that and like see artists that I've kind of like come up with over the last few years and have like had had moments with seeing their careers really just blow up. Like on the Coachella poster, like Kanye is playing and then Doja Cat's right underneath. And I remember dojo when she had like fifteen thousand followers and i'd be in the studio because we work with um similar well the same producer and she would like come into one of my sessions and i'd just be like no they're like hey and like that was a cool moment and then to see her on her lives like producing songs in her bedroom and now she's like the biggest pop star in the world you go to the gym she's on every second song yeah she's just she's everywhere i know it's it's like Watching her go from that and then also watching her like do all her rap stuff, seeing that come into like mainstream radio. Like the first time I heard her on the radio, I remember I was like, this is a moment because she's about to become the, the next biggest thing. Huh. And then and then it really then I think she kind of like shifted radio, too, because now they play a lot of like rap type mm. songs on, on the radio. They weren't really doing that before. I remember growing up, like, you know, we're just playing a little Down With Webster, a little Headley on the <laughs> on the radio. I am the biggest Down With Webster fan. But, uh, Good to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, they were playing, like, Headley and, like, a little Justin Bieber. Like, they weren't playing, like, Nicki Minaj yeah. and Drake. and and But now they're playing that on the radio, which is cool. It's cool to see that. I remember the weekend on the radio for the first time, and he was talking about yeah. doing cocaine, yeah. but he didn't say it like that. Like the, they were like, "I just want a kids NTV award show talking about doing a blow, uh, yeah. a line of blow." And but I remember I have a buddy who loves hip hop, mm-hmm. and he's talking to me. He goes, "You know, the weekends on the radio talking about doing blow." <laughs> Yeah. But they think it's. Oh yeah, I can't feel my face. Yeah, I can't feel my face. Yeah, that was that's the song. Is that the name of it? That yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was, he's like, he's tricking everyone. I was like, oh, that's kind of smart. Tricking everyone. That's very smart. It's a good yeah. song. I mean, okay. he had a big shift in his career too. Like it, he he's kind of like going for like an older like he's in like the seventies right now. Like 
the weekend is really pushing something different like and i think that's also with his last album that he put out a lot of people didn't like it at first i don't think they didn't like it because the music wasn't good it just didn't sound like classic you know the weekend from like house of balloons like it didn't sound like that it was something new that he was doing and it took a couple listens to like pick out your favorites and to get used to what you were hearing because weren't where people are no longer confined to like the lines of whatever genre that they're classified as on on a streaming platform so people are doing whatever they want they're Mm. like trying new stuff like i saw him live in vancouver he was really good energetic he's probably out there for like an hour and 15 minutes yeah he's wearing like a leather jacket for an hour and 15 minutes and i was like holy smokes buddy and then he threw it in the crowd. I was like, "That's a ten thousand dollar jacket, nice. easily." Nice. I want to do that. But yeah, anyways, <laughs> I, I, he was, I, I liked him. It was uh, like Starboy album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. No, he's good. I think he, I think yeah. I mean, I wasn't the biggest Weekend fan. I have a couple like songs by him that I really like, but uh, he's a great performer. His Super Bowl performance, what was that last year, was incredible. Oh, wow. Um, he, yeah, he's dope. Loves him in Uncut Gems. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was a good movie. Yeah, it was, it was good. Really good. I saw that in the theater in L.A., and it was scary because you know the part where, like, everything's happening? They're, like, smashing glass, and, like, the, all the alarms in the movie are going off. Oh, it's at the like, end? when they, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in the theater in L.A., and, you know, I've had, like, a little fear of, like, movie theaters from when that shooting happened at, like, the Batman movie or whatever, and oh. I think that was in New York or something, like, years ago. Colorado. Yeah. yeah. That freaked me out i'm in the theater watching uncut gems that scene's going on the alarm in the theater starts going off like the and i'm like oh shit like someone must have came in and watched this movie planned it out when the best time in the thing is to like cause a commotion i'm like sitting next to my friends and like not everybody heard it not everybody heard it because it like it was so loud but the movie was so loud and i was like oh my god like what do we do for a second i was like like what does this mean <laughs> i'm like shaking like <laughs> am i gonna die like i'm in la i'm like oh fuck like people could have guns here like what do i do <laughs> like i'm from nova scotia like like please <laughs> anyway then the alarms go off and i'm like still shaking like what was that and i never found out why that happened and i was just like a lot of people didn't hear it but like a decent amount of people did and i was just like damn like that could have been like the end of my life <laughs> like i'm glad it wasn't but it's that was scary. <laughs> Jeez, like. I'm a, whenever I go into a room when there's like one or two exits, I'm aware of it. Like I remember in school, yeah. when school shootings start to happen. I used to strategically sit in the room where, yeah. if a shooter came in, I could somehow escape. I just, I Me always, it, it's a Starbucks. I think of that, like, okay, if there's a lineup at Starbucks, I'm in the middle, there's one door out, the bathroom's here, how do I get over through, like, the window, like, the drive-thru window? You weren't gonna lock down and sit down with all the other students, you were just, (laughs) Justin was just gonna dip out the nearest window. Unless I got, like, a buddy or, like, a girl in the class, like, I'm not, like... into the woods, see ya. Like, whenever I'm with, whenever I'm with Sarah and we're, like, we're grocery shopping, and I'll I'll always go to her, just like, all right, hypothetical shooter right now, stick to, I go, stick to the hip. Yeah. So like we'll be going through the craft dinner aisle, whatever. We'll stick to cute. the hip, and we'll go through like a little like routine, like a little fire drill. That's so, I'm cute. dead serious. That's cute. Because if you guys, if, I love that. You, you gotta go. <laughs> well, I mean, it's I, a as a kid, like I think, like I wasn't like scared, but I did have like just in my brain like something could happen. So like on the bus, like I would like to sit in the on the school bus, like on the one with the red handle where you could push the window yeah. open in case yeah. you know. We'd go over some turns in the winter. I'd be like, if the bus flips over on the side, I can crawl out the window. <laughs> Honestly. Like, I I don't know. As a kid, like, 
I don't know. Did you remember doing like the train safety stuff in school? Did you guys ever do? No, it was more fire, just fire drills. You never did train safety in school? Where you like, watch the video? On a train? Like like actual train Not safety. on it. Like train tracks. Like they show oh, you this video. I don't think so. And there's like this little like puppet guy walking on the train tracks and he has headphones on. I was in grade four when I saw this. He has headphones on and the train's coming and his back is turned and the tr- train hits the puppet guy and, and they're like, don't walk on the train tracks. Like, yeah. What? That's I don't crazy. know. You guys didn't have that? No. That oh. was like a school thing? Yeah. I mean, you guys weren't in high school when the whole like killer clown thing was happening. No, I'm the same age as you, so I definitely probably, you did. The I probably did hear that video at some point, and I do remember the clowns, yeah. Okay, so like I went to Lockview. So one day, someone made like an Instagram account that was like killer clowns, like 2017 or 16. Do you remember this, Justin? It was 2016. And the clowns were going around, like, <laughs> pretending to, like, be crazy. No, yeah. all over the world. Like, yeah, everywhere. everywhere. Clowns were like just showing up with, like, people dressed like clowns with, like, knives and, like, and guns they would and chase stuff. after cars and stuff. You have no recollection of My this? My school had a lockdown because of that. Like, we got, like, a threat and someone, like, saw a clown in the in the path or something. And then we went on lockdown. And then an email went out to the parents, like, we're aware of the threat of the killer clowns or something. Justin would have been out the back window as soon as that <laughs> lockdown went, went oh over. I would be out of there so quick. But what if the clown got you? It was no. like Pennywise in real life. I have great lateral <laughs> movement. No clowns getting me. I guess. Yeah, me either. No clowns getting me. <laughs> no clowns around here. That's crazy. I didn't know that. But I saw that Pennywiseer movie. That was good. The clown in the in the gutter. That was terrifying. The clown in the gutter. They should have called it that clown instead. Clown in the gutter. I saw that. Uh, I watched it for the first time. I think it was 11 freaked me out scared of clowns and now i see pennywise and i i just say hey i think he's cute like look Clown. at him just penny just pennywise <laughs> got a little crash on pennywise you know <laughs> he's a little scary he's like come here i'm in the gutter and okay do you know the like original story behind that clown about the, the real story i don't know do i there was a guy who lived in san francisco and he, you know this guy yeah I forget his name dude i used to dude in high school what was his name John Wayne Gacy. Oh, yeah, that's oh, it. yeah, 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 yeah. I and know. He used that. to get like, uh, like young boys to come over yeah. and like help him paint, or and he would rape them and kill them and mm-hmm. like bury them in his basement. And when they went to find the bodies, there was, it was like fifty bodies in his basement. Yeah. Oh. I did law class in in high school, and that was my that was my favorite thing. But learning about all the like murders and stuff, like what's it, Robert Robert Pigden? You know about him? heard the name he killed like all the all the prostitutes or whatever he would like take them up to his farm and he like kill them and then he like feed them to his pigs oh man there's people with a lot of time he, on their hands like what it's insane like, it, like who thinks Dude, of this when stuff? i was first year i was living in toronto we had a there was a person who killed some, like a bunch of people like five people one street over from my residence and we'd get like emails like what? uh someone just went missing on uh mutual street which is literally like two minutes walk away because it was like a gay strip club or something oh up there God. and like they would specifically target that so like it was like first year university we get emails from my university from my residents from everyone so it's like the same thing as that guy i'm glad you're still alive <laughs> yeah yeah that'll boy Jeff. <laughs> that's crazy yeah crazy world we live in yeah it is uh yeah pretty nuts <laughs> how, much time, how much time are we at right now Hour 10. Hour 10? Oh, oh Jesus. We're what into you... the murder mystery. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got a split. I got the other... Sh- I got a live stream and stuff popping up right now. What are you doing the rest of the day? I got to go sell some boots. <laughs> not not my shoes oh. I'm wearing. I got to go sell some boots. Why do you got to go... So- what? 
just because I've been cleaning out the closet. Spring oh, yeah, cleaning. spring cleaning. Yeah, gotta go do that and then write some songs probably or write a song. That's probably Try it. coffee. I don't Have know. I saw that if you got ADHD. I don't know if I do, but I probably do. You probably should like you shouldn't drink it because it like counteracts it or something. Yeah, maybe. I don't okay, don't listen. I've to had. Me. I used to work at Tim's. I worked at Tim's like. Did years. you? Didn't like hot drinks. Ironic that I worked there. Everything bagel, herb and garlic, cream cheese. That's my go-to at Tim's. That shit tastes like cigarette butts. But uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Well, know. you work there. You probably. The herb and garlic that just tastes like a cigarette smells. New. Whatever. What's your go-to at Tim's? Uh. I used to get a uh, French toast bagel toasted with uh, plain cream cheese, but now I'll do a little cinnamon raisin toasted with plain cream cheese. Spiced it up. And I like a, a four cheese or four ch- three cheese, like cheese tea biscuit with jam oh, and yeah, butter yeah, on yeah, it. Oh yeah, yeah, I know those. Toasted, just a little classics, you know. Yeah, a little, little taste of home, Tim Hortons. Yeah. All right, well, Maggie, thank you for uh, joining for the podcast. Me. This was great. I, was I, I love having you. Yeah, it was great. I, I, <laughs> I really great enjoy trip. having artists come over and talk about yeah. uh, talk about their career. So thanks. When I'm around. Uh, Gotta get me and Quake on after little dual episode. <laughs> after, after the after the song can't. hundred percent. When you're at Coachella, too. I need some tickets from you. Okay. All right. Sure. Sounds good. I got you. It's a deal. All right, All right everyone <laughs> listening. Thank you very much uh, for tuning in Monday. Uh, work hard. Have fun. Listen to Maggie. Yeah. And that's it. We're out. <laughs> Peace. Named after my mother. My old man is another child that's grown old. Dreams were lightning, thunder were desire. This old house would have burnt down a long time ago. Make me an angel that flies from Montgomery. Make me a poster of an old rodeo. Just give me one. To believe in this living is just a hard way to go. When I was a young girl, well, I had me a cowboy. He weren't much to look at, just a free rambling man. But that was a long time. No matter how I try The years just flow by Like a broken down dam Make me an angel That flies from Montgomery Make me a poster Of an old rodeo Just give me one thing That I can hold on to To believe in this living is just a hard way to go. There's flies in the kitchen. I can hear them there buzzing. And I ain't done nothing since I woke up today. How the hell can a person Go to work in the morning And come home in the evening And have nothing to say Make me an angel 
just the hard way. 